Hello, and welcome to this Chemical Reactions podcast from the team at Rudd Pedersen Public Affairs in Brussels. I'm Chris Davis, a senior advisor to Rudd Pedersen, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be discussing the European Commission's proposals for a chemical strategy for sustainability. Now, my claim to fame is that 15 years or so ago, I was a shadow rapporteur, that is one of the European Parliament's political negotiators, who worked on the proposals for the REACH legislation. REACH is said to have been the longest piece of legislation ever to have been produced in Brussels. And I can admit now, not to having read every word of every annex. And to be honest, I wouldn't have understood them anyway. Fortunately, I am joined by two of my colleague advisors to the Wood Pedersen Consultancy, who understand chemicals a lot better than me. Kevin Bradley is an environmental scientist, a former president of the Nickel Institute, and until recently, the Secretary General of the International Bromine Council. Steve George is the former leader for REACH implementation with Rolls-Royce and worked closely in Brussels with ASD, the Trade Association for the Aerospace and Defence Industry. So welcome both. It was back in 1999 that the then Environment Commissioner, that's Margot Wallström from Sweden, announced the launch of a European chemical strategy. And if I remember correctly, she said at the time that we use 10,000 chemicals in Europe and they're essential to our way of life, but we don't have a proper assessment of their long-term effects on human health and the environment. So we need a strategy that will keep the good and get rid of the bad. And a few years later, we got REACH, which marked a huge change in regulatory practice. So Kevin, why is the commission coming up now with yet another chemical strategy, the CSS, with apparently 80 new actions? Has, has REACH been a complete failure? The short answer is no, it hasn't been a complete failure. It's been a resounding success, actually. Um, it's the global benchmark for chemical regulation. That's evident simply by the activities in some of the other parts of the world where it's being imitated, maybe not precisely, but certainly the approaches are being imitated. South Korea, for instance, China uh, are also following this. The question about whether and why we need a another shot in the arm, so to speak, in, in this is, yeah, on the one hand, I could say, I'm not sure why, because it has been so successful. On the other hand, there are aspects of it, which if you look at it administratively, need some kind of, of tweaking uh, based on the experiences that have happened over the past 10 years. And then um, if you were to take a, a very sort of strong view from the side, say, for instance, of civil society, there is a view that some aspects of REACH haven't worked at all. For instance, the famous substitution agenda. So we're in that kind of space of trying to improve the performance, effectiveness and efficiency of the system. And then also look at, is there an issue about substitution that we need to address? To be honest, Kevin, I'm a little bowled over by your words, a resounding success. Steve? What do you I think? think I think it has done an awful lot of what it set out to do, um, but it was quite revolutionary in its way and introduced a number of processes which take a little bit of uh, learning. Uh, so if we look at, for example, the authorization process, it really struggled when people started putting widely used chemicals into that process 
where the assumption might have been that only a few applications for authorization would be made, but there was very little appreciation about how widely these chemicals were being used in the first place. Now, um, in terms of the substitution agenda, an awful lot of that probably has been substituted, but the only thing that's visible are the uses which are applied for to be continued, not the ones which are not. And so there's a natural bias in terms of what people can see. And therefore, you know, there's probably an awful lot of substitution going on that isn't visible to the authorities. Well, that's just fascinating because all I remember is, you know, back in the reach days, um, is the industry grumbling about the legislation and saying how complex it was going to be and how it was going to undermine the European chemicals industry and it's going to be the end of the world and, and all that. Kevin, if you like, you were associated with some of the manufacturers. Was this a case of cry wolf? Like any legislation, and particularly one on the monumental scale, as you described it at the beginning, uh, there was, um, uh, I would say, a genuine fear. Uh, it's, on, it's the fear of the unknown. There's also, of course, the, the uh, associated costs. Industry doesn't like to spend money on what it regards as activities which don't contribute to the bottom line, per se. But leaving that sort of cynical ass sort of remark aside, I think the uh, industry has, in fact, seen the importance of reach, particularly industry in Europe, the chemical industry in Europe, um, because now uh, there is a really, really incredible database of knowledge on chemicals that's available. Of course, we know uh, that there are a lot more chemicals on the market than the 10,000 that you... Well, I, I want to touch upon that. I mean, you mentioned the unknown. I mean, I do remember, I think, Margaret Borstrom said, talking about 10,000 chemicals. Obviously, I think it's about 50,000, isn't it, or been, been registered? I mean, 20 years ago, we didn't even know how many chemicals were being produced. I mean, that's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but again, it, it's the way the world worked in those days. And now REACH has kind of turned that on its head. And because it also very fundamentally said it's the responsibility of industry to um, you know, set out its stall and then we'll, we'll take a look at it. That fundamental change was, in fact, what led to this revelation that we have a much broader and um, deeper understanding of uh, the role of chemicals uh, in society. Are the NGOs right, the environmental NGOs, when, the, when, they, when they still say that you know, industry is uh, you know, polluting the environment and it's, there's hazards everywhere and uh, we're not doing enough to protect citizens? Uh, Steve? It is always a tricky thing. The, 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 the market and the supply chains are far more diverse than, I don't think, uh, than anybody realised. There is a lot more data on chemicals than there was before. Is it perfect? No. And of course, NGOs are right to keep hammering on that drum. But you know, the, the, the amount of data these dossiers require is so diverse and so deep that it's, it's, it's an easy, it's a target-rich environment to say, hey, this dossier is not compliant with something. Uh, and so uh, there, there's a lot of uh, criticism of non-compliant dossiers without perhaps realizing that there's, there's a big spectrum to, you know, a, a minor little niggle here and there versus a big yawning gap for data in another place. Are chemicals always controlled as well as they should be? No, not always. Is industry managing chemicals better than it was 10, 15 years ago? I'm sure that is the case. I think there's a far better understanding of how chemicals should be used safely 
both for human health and for environmental release and all the rest of it than there was before and particular focus on substances that have been added to the restriction or the authorization list. I, I believe that to be very successful in changing, changing the tone and changing the emphasis within industry. Okay, well, but Kevin, Steve there has just touched upon the environmental NGOs make a lot, which is that some two thirds of the dossiers submitted by manufacturers on, on, the, on their, their chem, when they're registering chemicals, apparently are not fulfilling all the requirements. Now, is this a matter of just simply I's not being dotted and T's not being crossed? Or is there something fundamental here, a problem that must be addressed? Because the Commission is saying under its new CSS that there will be absolutely no allowance made for failure. No, I, I think, I, again, this is, you know, a learning from um, the initial reach period, the, sort of the past 10, 12 years when the focus was on registration, large volumes, get it done, get it done quickly by, by 2010. You can imagine with companies with massive portfolios, and I'm talking thousands of chemicals, trying to gather all the data for all the different hazards, what they call hazard endpoints, uh, gathering all of that data. The costs of that sometimes involving testing, the reluctance to uh, sometimes go down that road for fear of it won't generate the data anyway. A whole set of factors uh, came into play there. However, there is a weakness, um, notwithstanding that aspect, there is a weakness uh, in the requirement to keep dossiers up to date in that the reg regulation only said that they, this should be done on a periodic basis. There was no specific interval. There was no specific requirement to do that. Now, personally, um, I think there should be some fixed requirement to do that in order that industry is doing this itself and not always requiring administrators or evaluations that are carried out under reach to force that on them. So there is that's one aspect where I think we, we will see improvements in this. You know, Steve, the reach was supposed to apply to all chemicals made in the European Union and imported into the European Union. So it would uh, you know, help to, to bring about improvements across, across the world. But you know, one of the big complaints from downstream users is that uh, they're required to, to jump through hoops to, to, to comply with the legislation, but far too many imported products aren't complying with it. And the, the market surveillance, the controls introduced by, by governments when they when they're checking their imports just are not happening. Yes, it's a tricky thing uh, to try and use European law to police activities of industries outside of Europe is a clearly an extrajudicial judicial thing. It's better to do that at a United Nations level rather than a European Union level if you're going to have a cross-world agreement. So what the EU can do is look at what's being imported. And of course, if there is an identified uncontrolled risk in terms of what's being imported, there are restriction routes to be able to control those things. But authorization currently applies to the use of a chemical on its own or in a mixture. If it has already been incorporated into an article before that article is imported, then that use is outside the scope of the authorization. And so if the authorization process is a very, very tricky process to go through, you refer to jumping through hoops, and those hoops were very, very complicated, uh, I can assure you of that, then one of the natural reactions is to consider making your product in another place. 
where the use of the chemical to make your product is not subject to authorization. So you can view this as being imbalanced between European and non-European manufacturing. You can view it as unfair, but you can't do extrajudicial regulation from the EU to the outside world. And that's the balance we've got to, uh, to manage it. Look at where we are now. Some, what, 15 years or so after the REACH legislation was passed, now the Commission making these, these new proposals. And the Commission says that this will drive forward innovation in the chemicals industry. And yet I suspect that you know, the, the, the industry lobbyists will be going to the current parliamentarians and saying, this is simply going to increase our costs. Uh, it's going to put a burden on industry. We'll, we'll do what Steve has just said. We'll look, about, uh, we'll look at uh, moving our industry and manufacturing processes abroad. I mean, is the commission going to get the balance right? I mean, is industry screaming or is industry not screaming? Is industry saying, actually, European chemicals legislation is fantastic? Kevin, you first. Well, if you look at recent press and comment from, for instance, the European Chemicals Industry Association, CEFIC, you will see that on the one hand, there is a recognition of possible opportunities here. On the other hand, there's a recognition of, you know, potential um, impacts. They recently published a very comprehensive economic impact assessment, partially derided by the environmental organizations as industry crying wolf yet again. But uh, I think uh, this assessment is, is, is a much more sober assessment. It does recognize the, the potential there. It does, of, of course, point out some of the big issues, particularly around changes to, to uh, potential changes to classification uh, or introduction of new classification classes for substances. Uh, just on the point of innovation, um, innovation happens anyway. There are lots of drivers there. It's not just regulation that drives innovation. I mean, the purpose of the chemical industry in many respects is to serve other policies of the European Union, such as the climate change agenda, such as the um, digital agenda, such as innovation in, in other products and services. In other words, it's responding to what users want. The regulation is, if I look at it, is more about making sure there's a level playing field, both within Europe, between European competitors, and then between Europe, as Steve pointed out, between Europe and, and third countries. So I, I don't see it as a binary thing. It's going to impact innovation. I don't see it like that. It can, of course, change investment decisions. Now, that's a different thing. That's different mm. to innovation. It can change an investment decision. If the costs of continuing business in the European Union are going to be higher, then I'm going elsewhere. The global chemical manufacturing is going to double, I think, or in the next 10 years. How, how is Europe doing? Pretty well, pretty holding our own, um, doing pretty well. I mean, of course, in recent times, it, it, one shouldn't extrapolate from the, what's been happening in the past two or three years with, with, with COVID, but nevertheless, the trajectory was already there. Um, and again, the drivers there are the EU Green Deal. It's the, you know, fit for 55, it's all of the, these are the big drivers. The chemical industry is responding to those drivers. And uh, globally, um, people talk a lot about this. I think we shouldn't forget the global population aspect of this. I mean, the mega trends there with global population are also driving consumption of everything, including chemicals. If you've got 7.8 billion people on the planet heading towards nine, 
as sure as night follows day, you're going to get an increase in consumption of chemicals. Yeah, okay. From, from the uh, innovation point of view, we have to remember that the technology and the demand on the chemical industry is often customer driven. And it's the customer technology, it's the customer applications that drives the need to use a chemical or not to be able to substitute when uh, an alternative is proposed. Uh, and often the customer uh, products have very long life cycles and it takes uh, an awful lot of qualification work to get them into, into, uh, into the marketplace. And of course, when you're looking at um, things like uh, the Green Deal and the circular economy and trying to adjust the direction of innovation, we have to take into account how the various bits of legislation fit together. So when you're pushing on innovation, the authorities can be quite impatient uh, because they don't necessarily see all the, uh, the triggers in the economy and the supply chains and how it is actually changing. So a lot of the changes in the chemical strategy seem to be pushing on regulating faster, giving more visibility, trying to simplify the processes, take some of the burden and bureaucracy out of the way of the change processes. But uh, it will take some um, careful reaction to make sure uh, industry is not overburdened and industry is able to move on um, at a pace uh, which the, the technology lends itself to rather than the pace the NGOs and the authorities would like to see. Reflecting on what you just said, both the two of you, I'm so conscious that, uh, you know, from the point of view of a former parliamentarian of, of industry coming in t- telling me that, you know, how burdensome some new environmental measure is going to be. And yet, uh, tending to ignore the fact that quite often environmental legislation creates new opportunities, new market opportunities, and stimulates innovation to, to, to address problems. On the, on the issue of, of, of stimulating new ideas and things, when I was dealing with REACH, the people I was most concerned with were the, were the small-scale manufacturers or manufacturers of specialist chemicals or manufacturers of lots of, lots of different chemicals being manufactured in small quantities. They told me at the time, you know, the cost of registration alone, it's just not simply worth our while going through those costs, given we're only producing in, in these, these quantities. And so we'll be out of business in five or six years time. Are they out of business? I think that there has happened? been a huge rationalisation of the chemical industry so that small uses or small supplies of uh, chemicals have been lost and have been absorbed by bigger players in many cases. I, w- I am also concerned about small manufacturers and users, not just the, the producers of chemicals. So, you know, little machine shops, little processing houses who use chemicals in small amounts, having ever increasing uh, data or reporting burdens as well. And uh, I yeah. think these are also concerning me. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, if you're a small or medium enterprise, maybe with 50 people, having one person just to track what's going on with reach, and reach is extremely complicated, is a 2% overhead. And that's just an unreasonable thing to just load onto an, a, a small business. So we have to look at making sure we're not creating ever more complexity in the regulations these guys have to deal with. Yeah, it was always said that big manufacturers would be able to cope with this because they, they had the expertise and they could absorb these costs. The smaller ones yeah, could th- th- This is true, um, but even the big manufacturers will be looking at their product portfolios to say which ones are worth uh, investing the registration costs in versus which ones are not. They will rationalise their portfolio according to the business case for each chemical. So you can't just say this is a big German chemical company, they can afford it, therefore they'll do it all. No, they're going to make, make smart business decisions as you'd expect them to. I like what you were saying before, I think the two of you, on uh, 
uh, on the extent to which reach has become a global standard or the European Union, if you like, has been, has been setting the regulatory approach. Is that, is that more than just talk? I mean, is there actual legislation being introduced that imitates reach? Because if so, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, pit, I pity the parliamentarians who are having to do it in different parts of the world. I'm currently sitting in the UK, Chris, uh, as I think you are right now, and uh, UK reach now exists. It is a carbon copy with some transitional measures to allow uh, people who used to be within EU reach to grandfather across into a new system without, uh, let's say, completely toasting the supply chains in the process. But basically, uh, a lot of UK reach is simply saying, take that one and modify it in a few ways. Basically, it is literally a copy. And if you look yeah, at Turkey, it, it, Turkey uh, KKDIK <laughs> is in fact essentially a, a translation of EU reach. Given Brexit and my personal position on Brexit, which was not favourable towards it, I'm amused by the degree to which uh, the industry is, is telling the politicians in power at the moment, don't change anything, please, because it will just make it more and more complicated. And, you know, the European market and the, the, the British market are one and the same, really. It is a shame that the, the UK has had to start developing a database from scratch with duplicating uh, all the data. Uh, obligations from scratch rather than somehow maintaining some participation or membership of an existing system of data but you know put the politics to one side that might have been a practical solution but the politics didn't work with that and kevin the global standard reach the european approach well i have pretty recent experience of um, south korea and china uh, both of them have pretty much the same architecture if you look at it on you know in terms of structure, processes. Are they doing that for themselves or are they doing that because they need to do it in order to sell their products to Europe? Part of it is the alignment for, from the point of view of, of trade, but also um, a lot of it is, especially in China's case, a lot of it is, is domestic. They want to clean up their industries. They want to make their chemical industry a lot more leaner, smarter, more environmentally friendly as well. Um, they have a, a huge amount of work to do there and they, that's why they're deliberately, to some extent, we would say taking it quite slowly. But every, ste every step of the way is, is quite a deliberate step. I mean, I, you can expect to see, for instance, in the next two years, you will see them change and upgrade their priority hazardous substances. And that will very much be in line with what we have done in Europe. They don't ignore Europe. They watch it very, very closely. It creates a situation where there's a, a kind of a free-for-all in China just because there isn't uh, one in Europe. They, they want alignment in this area. Steve? I think that's largely true. Uh, now, ROS, for example, Restriction on Hazardous Substances, that's very much a trading tool to make sure that everyone's uh, you know, trading in... Uh, electronic commodities that can be traded around the world and there we see an awful lot of replication of the eu uh, in terms of the substance list etc and to some extent the same exclusions from the scope reach whilst you know there is a thing called china reach korean reach etc they don't fully replicate the eu in that they do not include things like substances and articles obligations or the full remit of the authorization process etc uh, so it's not quite the same you know, the, the principle of having a national inventory and making industry provide the data, that level is, is what's being replicated around the world. Now, there is, of course, the uh, United Nations Environment Programme 
and the strategic approach to international chemicals management. Now you can say that's the ultimate uh, architecture behind the global uh, chemical system, albeit perhaps that isn't as well developed uh, as uh, many would like. And of course, as the EU tries to bring in new hazard endpoints, it goes beyond the existing global harmonized system that creates tensions as well. So we'll see how that uh, ends up and where that goes. But uh, yeah, there at least is a global system. It isn't all uh, EU led. Well, OK, you've both been much more positive about reach than I expected, I have to say. Um, obviously, obviously, for some reason, manufacturers were, didn't come to see me. 10 years after REACH had been passed saying we were wrong, it's fantastic and wonderful. And you know, it's, uh, uh, we, 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 you, were, you were right to give it support in the first place. However, we now have the, the commission coming forward with the CSS, 18 new actions. I mean, I think Steve, you said a bit of tweaking was needed for REACH. This sounds like overkill. There, there are reasons to change it to, uh, for the circular mm. economy, for example, we had to yeah. be clear on things like the end of waste. And to also support the circular economy, we have to think, do things around, you know, what does safe and sustainable by design mean? What might happen with things like eco-labeling and things like this? Also, uh, with the development of new hazard endpoints of concern, the, the so-called forever chem chemicals and things like this, where persistence and mobility is a concern that many people have, not everyone, mm -hmm. Uh, these create new hazard endpoints beyond the global harmonized system, and that's creating some uh, dis good discussions. There are processes within REACH which have not worked particularly well, particularly around authorization, especially for widely used chemicals. And there's some very interesting developments which we'll no doubt come on to on the later podcast uh, around those areas in terms of what's being proposed. And indeed, there's a uh, public consultation being kicked off in the very near future, I understand. There are reasons for change. Kevin, are you looking forward to the CSS? I mean, originally I wasn't, but now actually I, um, I am. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in in trying to, you know, improve processes for everybody, not just for industry, but for everybody, because ultimately you need a process to get the outcome, to create certainty, particularly legal certainty for for industry and so on but also to make sure everybody has their input into those, those discussions. And, I, and Steve just mentioned that point about the, the difficulties around, around authorization. Um, one of the, I think, things that I am also seeing, and I hope will become clearer perhaps in another podcast, we should discuss the fact that the CSS is also addressing something which hadn't been addressed for a while, and that is the need for coherence between chemical legislation, legislation in products, for instance, ROS, the restriction of hazardous substances, eco-design, and also the industrial emissions directive, which regulates the production of products, but also chemicals, etc. There is some overlap already, and there's some sort of barging, one barging into the other. And sorting that out will be fundamental, in fact, to achieving some of the other goals of the uh, Green Deal, such as the circular economy, such as, for instance, yeah, I'm just reviewing it myself at the moment, the EU batteries regulation. The EU's batteries regulation wants to restrict hazardous substances. So we have to make sure that what we're doing in reach on substances, which are relevant in that value chain, are still able to be used if they're needed to be used to make the batteries. Otherwise, we won't have the batteries to put in the cars. So th this is, a, I think, a, a, an interesting aspect of the CSS 
which uh, not overlooked, but just not um, brought out too much at the moment. Quick answer from, from both of you, please. I remember a Swedish minister coming to the Environment Committee of the European Parliament and saying, this is 20 years ago, we've got to stop treating our world like a giant chemistry experiment. Are, are we doing that? No, we no. are not we treating are, the well, world like a giant chemistry experiment. I think we're getting ever more aware of the consequences of emissions, etc., and are getting better control of them. But there's always yeah. going to be more to do, and the NGOs have a right to point to where improvements need to be made. Yeah. Kevin? For me, we're getting to the nexus of the issue, which is the fact that everything is interrelated. You cannot do one thing on one thing and not have an impact on another. We live in an interconnected planet and our economy is interconnected and our use of chemicals is right around us. So it's not a chemistry experiment. We are chemical ourselves. We, I think, just need to and are understanding the fact that it's important to be smarter about how we use things and how we do things. Stop thinking in silos is how I always look at this. I think that's enough. OK, thank you very much. You've been hearing from some of the team of special advisors at Rudd Pedersen Public Affairs. That's myself, Chris Davis, with Kevin Bradley and Steve George. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to have a chat about some of the details of the new chemical strategy for sustainability. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>